AgBioscience is supported by Indiana Farmers Insurance. This is Ag Bioscience. Welcome and thanks for joining. I'm Mitch Frazier, CEO of Agrinovus Indiana. And this is the podcast where we explore all things Ag Bioscience, the people, the products and innovations across food, animal health, plant science and ag tech. Renewable fuels and oils, those made from plants, are expected to grow more than tenfold in the next decade in the U.S. alone. Today's guest is a veteran of the industry and has a unique view on the role of plants and ag bioscience and how they'll play in the energy transition. He is incredible. Welcome, Doug Bourbon, Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Poet. Doug, great to see you again, and welcome back to Ag Bioscience. It's good to see you, Mitch. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun, Doug. I I am so excited to dig into the role that you, the role that Poet is having in this energy transition. For those that don't know, Poet, a giant leader in biofuels, bioproducts. Before we dig into what's ahead and, and how this energy transition really will center on plants, we got to learn more about your journey from banking and metal consulting to biofuels. Doug, tell us more. Well, I'm going to be short about my history because, <laughs> you know, I grew up in Watertown, South Dakota, and um, after college, I moved down to Dallas, Texas. I got into business with my uncle and cousin down there in the medical consulting industry. We tried to help clinics make more money and be more efficient. And then I moved back to South Dakota. I got into real estate development with my father. For about eight years, we were building hotels and restaurants, apartments, et cetera. And then as the economy really softened in the early 2000s, I went into banking and I learned quickly that I wasn't really a banker. And so uh, I sent a resume to Jeff Bruin, the CEO of Poet, and um, he was just growing so fast, needed general business assistance doing little things that uh, he didn't have the time to do. And so that started an, a journey of more than 20 years with Poet. I'm so glad I landed here. It's been quite a journey. It's been a lot of fun, very challenging, see a lot of interesting things and meet a lot of interesting people. And what we do is really important. So we're trying to have an impact. It is incredible when you talk about Jeff's journey and the journey of of Poet. I mean, this is a story that is almost one like pulled from a movie. I mean, it's incredible. Started in bioprocessing, now the world's largest producer of biofuels. Poet has seen just giant growth since its founding back in 87. Share more, Doug, for those that don't know, share more about what Poet does and, and really how the company has emerged as that's a strong partner for both farmers and the broader economy. Yeah, well, I love telling the history of Poet because you're right. You know, back in the 80s, uh, you know, most people don't remember this, but agriculture was going bankrupt. Yeah, There was too much grain, which means the prices were below the, the price of production. Farmers were going bankrupt everywhere. The government was paying farmers to set aside 20% of their land and not farm it. And the Bruins were living on a family farm near Rochester, Minnesota. They didn't want to set aside their land. So what they did is they built a small ethanol plant on the family farm. And they used wow. their they put their surplus grain in that family ethanol plant. They used the ethanol in the machinery. They used the distillers' grains for their livestock and it balanced out well. 
At one point, they needed parts for that, and they ended up traveling to Scotland, South Dakota. And rather than buying parts from an old, defunct, bankrupt ethanol plant there, they mortgaged the family farm for about $70,000. They bought the entire facility, and Jeff, our CEO, and his brother drove back to the family farm, packed a suitcase, grabbed a sleeping bag, and they slept in that plant until they got it to run. So that is the humble beginnings from a, a family farm struggling to make it to now 35 years later, this year is 35 years, the largest bioprocessor in the country, the largest biofuels producer in the world. Uh, we produce about 3 billion gallons bioethanol annually, produce about, I think, 14 billion pounds of distiller's grains that go all around the world annually. Uh, 975 million pounds of corn oil, as you mentioned, that goes into biodiesel, renewable diesel. So this is that's kind of a cool story right there, Mitch. We have byproducts from the ethanol industry that are renewable fuels. Think about that. Hmm. Biodiesel and renewable diesel are now byproducts of the bioethanol industry. So and, and we are just expanding from there. It is going to be, I think the, the next 35 years will probably be more exciting than the last 35 years, if that's possible. It's hard to imagine that. I mean, you look at that evolution that's happened within Poet, but the evolution that's happened in the broader economy, you know, and we see it today. It's at, at the forefront, this conversation around energy transition, we often see it, and Doug, you and I have talked so many times about this, we often see it as a binary switch, or it's it's framed as a binary switch from fossil fuels to electrification. It's one or the other. What Poet has done, what the biofuels industry has done is really said, hey, there's, there's more here than that. If you would, share some more about this opportunity that exists between fossil fuels and biofuels and really how that intersectionality is being advanced by science couple things. There is an energy transition underway right now, and, and most people think that is a switch from gas to electric. And look, electric cars are going to play a role in the energy transition. They're not going to be uh, the only thing. In fact, I would say that agriculture, grains, bioprocessing, biofuels are going to play the majority of the role. Look, we have got to get more of our resources from the surface of the land rather than the center of the earth. We talk about climate change. We talk about air pollution. We talk about all these things, about being out of sync with nature, right? That is only because for the last 200 years, we have been taking coal and oil from the center of the earth and putting it in our atmosphere. We've relied on coal and oil for the last 200 years, right? So it's hard for us to imagine a world without that. But it's not that hard if you put it into perspective. So we've been using oil for about 200 years. How long has humanity been on the planet? A long, long time, right? right? A lot longer than 200 years. So what did we do before oil? We got all of our resources from the surface of the land. I think 200 years from now, we will be returning to the past, getting all of our resources from the surface of the land a circular economy. It's going to be a cleaner world, a more balanced world. And, you know, we are just at the forefront 
of what we can do with agriculture, biofuels, bioprocessing. So yeah, I, I think um, there is going to be an energy transition. And I think agriculture will lead the way, not only with grains, but with biomass as well. Biomass hasn't even been touched. And the other thing to think about in agriculture is the global perspective. Right. This is something that I think not a lot of people realize. So in the United States, we produce about 178 bushels per acre, national average, right? The world average corn production is 57 bushels per acre. Wow. 57. There's not a farmer in the country that could survive producing 57 bushels per acre. That's the that's what the rest of the world averages. Now, the other thing is the world record for corn production is over 600 bushels per acre. So not only is there a lot of potential with agriculture in the United States, the potential for agriculture globally is literally untapped. And we need to produce, we need to offer more markets for agricultural products. So there's a margin in agriculture. So we can start liberating countries that are dependent upon agriculture, but can't make a profit, right? Because the rest of the world is being flooded with our grains. I think I often ask the question, is it more dangerous for us to depend on the Middle East for our oil or for developing nations to depend on the U.S. for its grains? The beauty of this energy transition as we manage it properly, agriculture can provide not only the food and feed for the world, but the energy for the world as well because it is so untapped. Energy is going to have to tap into agriculture for agriculture to be successful and for us to make this energy transition. That's kind of a long-winded answer for you, Mitch, but I don't think people realize the potential of agriculture. People wonder, can we feed a growing population? Of course we can, right? and then some. It's really important to let people know that not only will we feed a growing population, we will feed the energy transition through agriculture, all while reducing greenhouse gases and combating climate change. That's a tall order, but agriculture is really well suited to do it. Well, Doug, I am eager to dig into how that will happen. We'll do it right after this. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ag Bioscience is supported by Indiana Farmers Insurance. Whether your farm is your business, your hobby, or your passion, you and your farm are one of a kind. Each is unique and requires just the right insurance coverage options. Indiana Farmers Insurance has been protecting farmers for more than 145 years. And together with your local independent insurance agent, today we deliver insurance solutions for your farm, business, home, and vehicles. Insurance can be complicated, so it's important to have a trusted expert who will guide you through your insurance experience. We partner with only the best agents, and like us, most of our agencies have been serving customers for generations. Beyond the basics, we have many other coverages available to match your needs. Our agency partners are experts and can tailor just the right coverages for your farm, business, home, or auto. Come visit us at indianafarmers.com and discover why Indiana Farmers Insurance is the right choice for you. We're proud supporters of Ag Bioscience, and we're here to help you protect what matters most. Welcome back to Ag Bioscience. We're talking with Doug Berven, the Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Poet. 
Doug, we were just digging into this idea of ag, agriculture, ag bioscience playing a massive role in the energy transition. And historically, we've talked a lot about corn. We've talked about ethanol. But the diversity in feedstocks, you mentioned biomass, there's a, there's a lot of innovation on the horizon. Give us an idea. Uh, how do you envision, how is Poet looking at this diversifying portfolio of agricultural products being a part of the energy transition? You know, we think of corn mainly because that is the most elegant grain to produce a lot of different products from. We often say that we can make anything out of a bushel of corn that you can make out of a barrel of oil. It's just a matter of biotechnology and economics, right? So corn is really, really important. And it's for a lot of reasons from an economic standpoint, a processing standpoint, what you get out of it. We don't just make bioethanol out of corn. When we bring the corn in, the only thing that we consume is the starch, which is globally abundant and cheap, right? All of the protein, all the oil, all the fiber goes back to what corn is grown for in the first place. So we're not depleting the world of any nutrition. We're enhancing the world of that nutrition. Soybeans are a great crop and have been used for a long time for biodiesel. There's also canola and all kinds of different crops out there that can be used to advance this energy transition. We need to manage those things properly and sustainably. You know, we need to make steps with agriculture that are reasonable, not going too far out of the way. It's got to be a transition that we can manage sustainably, right? So that we're very conscious of that. And then there's biomass. You know, every state has biomass, whether it's wood waste, whether it's corn stover, whether it's, it doesn't matter, waste pallets, wood waste, all these, all these types of biomass can be used all around the world to create energy, steam, they can power uh, facilities. In fact, we have solid fuel boilers in place right now that are powering our facilities. Oh, wow. So we, we take in biomass, we burn that to produce the, the energy to run our plant. So it's cogeneration of energy, not only energy that goes into our gas tanks, but the energy that goes into running our plant. So that's pretty exciting. And then there's opportunities like methane gas from landfills. You know, we've got a 15-mile pipeline from a landfill here in Sioux Falls that goes to one of our bioprocessing facilities and reduces the natural gas that we need. So it just replaces natural gas. These are the things that they're not tomorrow's technology. They're today's, and we're employing them right now. That's pretty exciting. So incredible. You know, People ask me all the time if we can get rid of oil. And I think the answer is yes, in time. It's not going to, you're not going to switch over right away. It's not going to happen. There are too many products that need to be made out of, out of oil, but we can systematically reduce fossil fuels dramatically over time. And agriculture is going to be uh, what provides the resources to do that. As you look at that resource component of this overall energy transition equation, I want to go back in time a bit, Doug. You've been a part of POET for quite some time. You saw the just meteoric rise of ethanol 
90s, 2000s. I mean, just massive growth. What can we learn from, from that growth that can apply to this next chapter of the energy transition? Are there lessons learned there? Are there things that we can say, okay, we, here are the things we saw. What does that mean for the future? Yeah, that's a really good question, Mitch. You know, when when Poet and others in the industry started years ago, first of all, let's let's just put this in perspective. Ethanol has been around since the very first combustion engine was built in the 1800s. And it ran the Model T. It's been around forever. But it's really been the last 25 years where ethanol has really taken off. It's gone from 1% of the fuel supply to 10, 11% of the fuel supply today. So over this last 25 years, we have a history. We have a history of providing more energy, cleaner air, lower cost fuel, more abundant resources. And we need to make sure that that history is realized in order to get to the next 25 years. What's been hard about getting to where we are today is convincing people that we're not going to put too much pressure on A. We're not going to deplete the world of nutrition or resources or whatever it is. It's the exact opposite. We have enhanced the world of nutrition. We've enhanced the world of energy. We have literally rejuvenated rural America. As we started out 35 years ago, the egg industry in this country was going bankrupt and rural America was dying. The ethanol industry came in, soaked up surplus grain and has literally rejuvenated rural America. And now we have the opportunity to do that for the rest of the world. That's what's really exciting about this is it doesn't have to be a Midwest issue. It's a worldwide issue. And when about 60% of the world population considers themselves to be farmers, that's a really big deal. I mean, we're only 2% of our population is farmers in the country, but around the world, it's a majority of people. And we need to provide the markets for those guys to thrive as well. So I think what we need to do is take the past and make sure that we educate people on the potential of agriculture because that has been a hindrance to us in the past. If people don't understand agriculture or people don't understand engines or fuels, or this is a complex system, agriculture, energy, environment, we need to take the last 25 years and make sure everybody understands the benefits in order for the next 25 years to be as prosperous as we hope it will be. Yeah. And those benefits, to your point, Doug, don't have to be one-sided, right? When we look at uh, the benefits of ethanol, when we look at the benefits of the energy transition at large, you've made a great point around this idea that you know, it's created wealth, it's created opportunity, it's created local markets across the country and, and around the world. We think about sustainability in that same construct. I think we can maybe apply the same thing where sustainability has the opportunity to positively impact the environment, positively impact fuel, positively impact those who are growing the fuel. Give us an idea. What, what do you see? that's on the horizon? What innovations, you mentioned biomass earlier, but what else? What else do you see that can truly advance this connection between sustainability and profitability of biofuels for both consumers and those who are producing the, the biomass? Yeah, you're hitting a, on a key point here. I think a number of things have to align to, to create reality. The technology, the economics, yes. the politics, 
the public sentiment, all of those things have to align. And oftentimes, I think in politics, we, we start to get hype and hope out in front of reality, and it, it causes problems because the goals aren't realized. Well, we now know that there is reality ground into biorefining in agriculture. The potential that we've been talking about is there, and we can do it economically, sustainably, without altering human activity. We don't have to sacrifice. We can thrive while we do this, if we do it right. And I think that's important. You know, Poet has pledged to be carbon neutral by 2050. And I think we can exceed those goals significantly with a number of technologies that are here. For example, uh, carbon capture, utilization, and storage. So right now, all the buzz is about pipelines that are going to take CO2 from ethanol plants and sequester it underground. That is going to reduce our carbon footprint significantly And that is going to prove that agriculture can be the greatest carbon sink on the planet. You know, you think of the Midwest in the spring, summer, while the corn, soybeans, wheat, everything is growing, right? We are the biggest carbon sink on planet Earth in the summer and spring. And if we can take some of that CO2 that is being naturally absorbed by these growing plants, capture it and sequester it, we are actually decarbonizing the atmosphere. That's what everybody is talking about. How can we do it? How can we do it sustainably and economically? Well, we just do it through our natural process. The fermentation, we just capture the CO2 off of that, put it in a pipeline, it goes underground. Now we have used the natural cycle of of photosynthesis to capture CO2 and sequester it. I'll give you a couple other examples. We have a solar farm here in Sioux Falls that powers our, our headquarters. That is, uh, we're going to see more solar power, I think. So using biomass, solar, carbon sequestration, and all of the other things that are, that are being developed right now around agriculture, around bioprocessing, bioethanol, there is so much opportunity in there. If you saw a diagram of what a bioprocessing facility could look like in the future, it's a very complex system that uses grain and biomass to power everything and produce all kinds of things. You know, and then we're looking at aviation fuel. We're looking at marine fuel. We're looking at diesel fuel. All these things are just right here. We're just on the cusp of of all of this stuff. and And that is really exciting. So Yes, the technology, the politics, the economics, all these things must align. And that's exactly what we're doing. And that's exactly what we've proven over the last 25 years. Well, Doug, I look forward to keeping in touch with you. I'd love to have you back on and keep us updated on how this energy transition continues to evolve and the role that POET and others are playing. He is Doug Bourbon. He is Vice President of Corporate Affairs at POET. Doug, just a delight to see you again. Thanks for joining us on Ag Bioscience. Thanks so much, Mitch. And thank you for tuning into Ag Bioscience. You can get the latest Ag Bioscience news and insights from discussions just like this by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And while there, you can access our entire library and give us a review. Don't forget, you can always learn more online at agronovisindiana.com. On behalf of the entire Agronovis team, I'm Mitch Frazier saying thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you real soon.
This podcast is a product of Agrinovis Indiana in collaboration with Inside Indiana Business. Hosted by Mitch Frazier. Produced by Kayla Chittister and Fabian Rodriguez. Photography by Kaylee Kerr. To get all ag bioscience news all the time, visit agrinovisindiana.com.